Welcome to the King's Chapel, Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Turn to Psalm 78. I taught my staff this and encouraged them to teach all of their teams, and so we'll look at that in a moment. Here's Psalm 78. Let me say that I have been, uh, I have agonized over the decisions that I have uh, made. They fall squarely on my head. Although I have done lots of counsel and talked with pastors and 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 doctors and uh, healthcare professionals, I've read reams of well, that's exaggerating, but I've read lots of reports on masks, no masks, social distancing, no social distancing. I've read through all kinds of stuff, and um, we had some policy in place that was basically requiring all of my staff and all of our volunteers to wear masks and then encouraging each and every one in the congregation to wear a mask as well. Not sure how you feel about it, but here's what I've settled on. I've settled on, let your conscience be your guide. So if you wanna wear a mask, we are so blessed that you do, please go right ahead. If you need to social distance or you want to, please go right ahead. If you don't wanna wear one, go right ahead. And so that's where we're at. Uh, We've left the distance in the pews for now, in the seats for now, Uh, made that decision today. And uh, some people are upset about it and other people aren't. And I just know one thing, you can't please everybody. And it's it's not a law, it's it's CDC encouragement, uh, it's CDC rules, regulations. We are not, nobody forced me to vote for Trump and I'm not gonna force you to wear a mask. And that's just kind of where I ended up. And uh, may God, um, we'll all stand before the Lord for judgment for everything we do. And I submit myself to you, Lord. And so if that makes you upset, I'm so sorry. I don't want to turn anybody away. I don't want to grieve anybody. But at the same time, I'm not going to yield to fear. And this thing bothers my vocal cords. And, and um, by the way, I think we're mostly immune by now anyway. So, however, I am looking to do a service that would be full CDC, a full military grade, mandatory masks for those, because there's, there's healthcare professionals that, and military people that can't go in a place that doesn't have that. And so then we're excluding them too, and I don't want to do that. So I'm trying to figure that out. How many of you have been praying for, for me? Okay, see, that's why it's been so challenging. There's only about 25% of you. Come on, would you pray? Come on, pray. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so I, I, I hope and pray we're doing the right thing. And uh, if not, again, we'll all stand before the judgment seat. And I pray this thing whisks through. If you're not feeling well, you know, stay home. Let us know. And we'll pray for you. All right? And, uh, and so these are some of the things we've changed. We'll change the website up and coming uh, this week. And I thank you for being so gracious and so um, kind. I, I really do. I love you too, and I'm doing the best I can, and I appreciate you praying for us. Amen. Psalm 78. Psalm 78, a passage of Scripture that I shared with my staff, as was shared with me in part by Dr. James Morocco, who will be with us, by the way, in December. 
I think it's, so. is it the 13th? Is that a Sunday? I, I need to look. Uh, on Sunday the 13th, he'll be with us on a Sunday morning, preaching, praying, prophesying, having an amazing time. I'm trying to keep him Sunday night. Oh, Pastor, Pastor uh, Janelle is going to be on Tuesday in Eagle River that week. So it's 13th. 14th, 15th, the 16th, I think it is. She'll be in the Eagle River for all the Eagle Riverians. I got that right? 17th, I was close. It's the one day after the 16th. Psalm 78. I want you to look uh, verse 5. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which you commanded their fathers, that they should make them known to their children, verse 6, that the generation to come might know them. It goes on and on and on about declaring the works of God, about teaching this next generation, and it's so very, very important. The Bible says in the New Testament that worse is the infidel or the unbeliever who doesn't provide for his family. Now, that's more than providing food, but I think it does include that. It's more than providing shelter, it would, but it would certainly include that. It, it also includes teaching them faith, teaching them how to walk by faith. You must teach your children. I said to my staff, you don't want to experience losing your kids. I have friends of mine who've lost their children. And they did the best they can. How many of you know you can't do beyond what your best? But the answer, the question is, are you doing your best? Are you talking about the miracles that God did for you financially with your kids? Around your table, put the phones up. Turn the TV off. Share about what God did that day and testify about how he saved you, how he healed you, how he filled you, that miracle and the car, the, 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 the car accident that almost happened, but God intervened and over and over and over how you, you, you know, that, that flu that you had that almost killed you 10 years ago and now here you are over and over and over how God healed you of COVID-19. Come on, somebody. Ah, how God, how God set you free how you were broken, how you were confused. You must talk about these things. Revelation says that we overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. I'm convinced that there's, a father, there's fatherless homes that have fathers in them. Let me say that again. There's homes where even though there's a father in it, that father has abdicated his authority and does not teach his kids, does not model that, and, and then maybe gets it from mom. Thank God, I hope that's the case. And it can be the other way around. Really, kids need both parents. You say, what if they don't? Well, you just keep coming to church and you can get a spiritual mom and dad. We must teach the next generation. Listen, we don't have a youth group just so we can like, you know, babysit high schoolers and junior hires. We have a youth group to teach some faith. But if they don't learn that at home, Psalm 78, what are you passing on? What are you imparting into your kids? And uh, so I'd encourage you to, to make a plan. Teach them to hear God's voice. Teach them to read and understand the word. Teach them to pray. I look back, you know, I've got young adults now. I don't have little ones anymore. Soon they'll grow up and get godly spouses and produce some little ones, and those will be my grandchildren. Hallelujah. No rush. Because the second most important decision you will make in your life is who you marry. And all of the married people say, Amen. Amen. <laughs> 
So you teach your kids and impart to them. I saying, as I look back at my family, I thought, oh, I was a little shallow right there. God, forgive me. And, you know, you can look at your life. I mean, how are you teaching them spiritually? How are you teaching them about finances? How are you teaching them about taking care of their physical body, their temple, about eating? Sure got quiet in here. Or are you teaching them to be addicted to sugar and carbohydrates to, to ease and comfort their emotions when they're stressed out like you do? Of course, no one in here, perhaps online. See, the reason I can say that is uh, I did that. You, listen, you have, to, you have to impart faith. Talk about it around the table. Make it a part of your life. Model it. Live it. Let's raise up a generation of faith. Can you say amen? Teach them about tithing. Ten cents on a dollar rebukes the devil. Ten cents. God can turn your whole thing or your whole life around, as T.D. Jake said. God can turn everything around on a dime. All right, ushers, would you come, please? Thank you so much. I just, uh, I, I wish I knew what I know now. 15 years ago. So I try to share that with you so that 15 years from now, you don't have a prison ministry. So that 15 years from now, you don't weep over the fact that you didn't make them come to prayer. They don't have a prayer life now. You didn't require them to come to morning prayer. You didn't model what it is to get in the Word. Come on, just take a look. Come on, come on. Look at your life and go, am I really modeling what it is for my kids to walk in victory? Is that conviction I smell? What? I think so. Lord, forgive us and help us in Jesus' name. Ushers, come on. Ready? Let's pray. Great word today. You ready? All right. Gracious Heavenly Father, we return the tithe to you. And thank you that you open up windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that I've ribbon up to receive it. You are our source. You're my source. Some trust in horses and some chariots, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. We make a covenant act right now. We take this covenant act, returning the tithe. And thank you for the privilege of the rights that are released through covenant as we'll even talk about tonight, of the rebuking of the devourer. So now in Jesus' name, rebuke the devourer off America. Rebuke the devourer off of our lives. Release provision and blessing, increase of every kind. And help us, Lord, to be men, to be women, to be people that rightly model what it is to be Christ-like, to be truly, to be Christians in every area of our life. Convict us where, where we're not modeling it right. Lord, forgive us and help us to pass faith on to this next generation. We declare your deeds, declare your goodness, declare your provision, declare your blessing, declare your healing, declare the kingdom of God to those around us and they would see it in a life that's lived out for the glory of God. Now we declare again that the heavens are open and devour is rebuked and the time of favor is come. Amen. Ushers, go right ahead.
to so many. I was going to say it's a favorite passage of mine, but I say that so often it's starting to sound trite. However, it is a favorite passage of mine. Mark 7, verse 24, and if our anointed sound man could give me just a touch more monitor, would be deeply appreciated by me and my vocal cords. Mark 7 Find verse 24. From there he rose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and wanted no one to know it. But he could not be hidden. How many of you know it would be pretty hard to hide God? He could not be hidden. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him. She what? She heard about him. And she came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by faith. And she kept asking, she what? She kept asking him to cast a demon out of her daughter, verse 27. But Jesus said to her, let the children be filled first. For it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dog. Whoa. 
Verse 28. And she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. My, my, my. Go to Matthew and find chapter 15. We do have notes that are coming around. If you've not received them just yet, soon you will. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 21. Let's read. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from the region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. Everybody say, Son of David. Son of David. My daughter is severely demon possessed. And he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she's driving us nuts. Doesn't actually say that. Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he, answered, but he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she answered and said, Roof! No, that, that's, that, that's not what she said. Let's see, dramatized version. She said, yes, Lord, but even the little dogs eat from the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Father, I thank you as we look now in this brand new series, Healing Our Forgotten Birthright that you'd release revelation to us by the living word of God, that we would never be the same. Holy Spirit, have your way. Gifts be in operation now. And may not one person leave this place without healing, without miracle, without a breakthrough. And all those that will listen at a later date, the same is our prayer. Healing, miracles, breakthrough in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Praise God. Do have notes again. If you haven't gotten those, the anointed ushers will bring that around if you will kindly make yourself known by raising your hand. My, um, my wife and I have plans on living for 120 years, preaching, praying, and prophesying. At the end of that time, I'm not sure how long or how old my children will be at that time. It's, at the end of our time of being taken in full strength, or the Lord will come back before that, more likely than not. But if, if we're taken at 120 and our kids are still here, it'd be 90. <laughs> George Daniel, you'd be 90 years old. Is that, that's about right. And you would inherit, along with your sister, everything that we have. You would inherit that. We have a will now. We have no plans on going early. Amen. Even though I'm sure COVID-19 tried to kill me. Here I am. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, you know, we have a will. And you should have one. How many of you know you should have one? And uh, legacy management is important to have a will. And uh, so we have one. And at our departure, 
we would leave everything that we own to our children. That's because they have, if I could use a biblical term, a birthright. Now, in, in Scripture, you see the firstborn generally, not always because, well, the firstborn was the one that had the birthright. It's, it's the one who would receive a double portion. I have endless amounts of Scripture here on being the firstborn and how there are times with the firstborn that the, the, the one was not worthy and so it would be passed to another. You, you know that story of uh, in Genesis, how, um, uh, let me see, where am I here? You know the guy that sold his birthright, Esau and Jacob, thank you. Esau despised his birthright. Birthright, he despised it. It didn't mean anything to him, so he sold it for a bowl of, of lentils, a bowl of porridge. He was so hungry, it didn't mean anything to him, and he gave it away. And how many of you know that's exactly what happened? There, there is a revelation that you need to understand. If you're born again and you're, you love God and you've given your heart to him, you are given amazing rights and privileges as a believer. Now, as my kids have grown, they've matured to the point where they have privilege. They don't need to ask me about stuff anymore. Not everything, mind you. They still need to ask me about some things, but as they get older, the decisions are more and more and more their own. I've known many believers who do not know what is their birthright as a believer and as a result tolerate the shenanigans, the beatdown of the enemy because they don't know they have authority over it. They don't, they don't know that they don't have to be filled with shame anymore. They don't know that they can walk with their heads high knowing that God is their provider, God is their protector. They, they don't know things. And, you know, ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is a painful experience Come on, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So there's truth out there, but many people are still in prisons today because they don't know the truth. But as it's recorded in heaven today, God made a way for you and me to be forgiven of everything and even to be healed of diseases and infirmity. So healing actually is a birthright for all those who were born again and love God. But it's not something that just happens. Thank God for the sovereign touch where he just breaks in, poof, and he heals you and he does a miracle. There are things where you need to fight for, you need to contend for, you need to lace up your spiritual gloves and stand your ground as Minister Barry preached not long ago, like Shama in the middle of the lentil field and said, I'm, this is it. I'm not, I'm not giving up anything else. If you don't know you have a right to fight, then you'll yield. And you'll give in. Hebrews 12 and 23, the general assembly of the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. L listen, you were born again. You have, you have literally have birthrights in God. The story that we looked at will illustrate that birthright. Another way of saying that is covenant rights. The language in the scripture, we looked at two different sections. It's a story that's recorded twice. But you'll notice they're a little bit different. And the reason is, is that Mark, Mark is Peter's amanuasis. So Mark is writing from the stories told to him by the apostle Peter. 
and he's writing those things down. So as he's writing them down, he's hearing them from Peter, and he's writing them down. That's the book of Mark. But that's not the case with Matthew. Matthew was an eyewitness, and he writes it himself here in the book of Matthew. And so you see a composite picture here in these two stories, a composite picture of what really happened. And it's, it's different perspectives, and, and the Gospels are like that. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, John. They, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the, are the synoptic Gospels. They tell the stories of Jesus, and there's a commonality between the two, between all three, pardon me. But John is very different. The book of John is different than those. So I remember first started reading the Bible, and I read through you know, Mark, and then you, know, you get to Matthew, and it's so similar. I'm like, gosh, it's kind of the same story. Yeah, they're the four the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are the synoptic Gospels. John is very different than all the others. So this story recorded twice, and the context of it, if you'll notice what's taking place, and we didn't read the whole thing, but the context is the religious leaders are caught in their traditions, and they don't like Jesus. They, they don't like him at all, and they're, they're upset at how he does things over and over, and they were blind to who Jesus was. They thought that they were clean, but they were filled with dead men's bones, and it reminds me of the book of Revelation where it says in Revelation 3, 17, you say I am rich and have acquired wealth and don't need a thing, but, I, but you do not realize that you were wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. They thought they had it going on, but in actual fact, they were were separated from God. God himself was there. The Messiah was there talking to him, and they didn't even know it, and they were blind to it, and they, in their religious duties and their religious observance and the oral law, did everything they could to do it right. I mean, not even, you know, a cobbler couldn't tie his shoe on, on the Sabbath because tying your shoe had something to do with shoes, and that would be working. I mean, they did ever the oral law said I was outside actual scripture to make a buffer so you would make sure that you never violated scripture. And they made all of these rules and all of these laws, but inside, as I just said, they were filled with dead men's bones. And so that's the context of what's taking place. And here's this woman who shows up who is a Syrophoenician. He, she's a, a Canaanite woman. She was considered, really, and the, 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 the verbiage or the, the phraseology, she was considered a dog. And she has a revelation that Jesus is the Messiah. This is this phrase, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David's not like saying, hey, Joe, hey, Bubba. Son of David is a reference to the Messiah from the Old Testament. So here's this woman who's considered a dog, and she says, son of David, she knows. How does she know? Someone told her. And somehow she came to faith. So when she says, son of David, she's saying, Jesus Christ, God's one and only son, the Messiah who came to break the curse of sin and death, have mercy on me. This is so profound, and you could miss it if you just read through it. So here are these religious leaders who should actually know. They should know that this is the Messiah. They're blind. It's a bad. They're blind like Revelation 3. They think they got it going on, but they're rich and poor, blind, and naked. How many know you could, you, you could see, have clothes, and have lots of money, and be blind, naked, and wretched? How many of you know that? You can think you got it going on, but by God's estimation of things, you poor, blind, and naked, dumb as a box of rocks. So this woman knows who Jesus is. Even the disciples, 
Even the disciples, even the disciples at times don't know who he is. But this woman, this Syrophoenician, acknowledges that this is the Christ. This is the son of David, the promised one. Jesus is trying to find privacy. He's, he's trying to get alone. And, and she interrupts his quiet time. She's trying to take a, he's trying to take a vacation, and she, and she basically interrupts. She draws on the anointing and receives a miracle. Now, this is very important before we break this text down. She draws on the anointing. She draws on God's power and presence. She draws on the word made flesh. She draws on him. What do you mean by that? She leans in. She puts this, this demand. She put forth a demand. And I'm going to tell you something. If you can learn this tonight from this text, it'll change your life. When I was lying on the floor just a few weeks ago, crying out to God, praying in tongues, quoting scripture, I was putting a demand on the anointing. Some, some might fold up and cry in fear and cave in and hope to die. We're not of that sort that would shrink back under destruction. That's just not who we are. We're not made that way, and this woman wasn't made that way either. If you're going to see God release his power in your life, in your family, in your ministry, in your business, you've got to learn how to put a demand, how to lean in to the things of God and, and receive from him. It doesn't, listen, he spoke in, in parables to hide truth. He's not obligated to do anything for you tonight. Listen, if he, if he moved according to need, then there'd be no starving people in the world. He moves according to faith. He's got to find somebody to believe. Confident assurance of what you cannot see. To pull out of the invisible by faith according to the word of faith and manifest it in the earth. That requires revelation of knowing who God is. This woman's amazing. She really is. She's, she really is. You know, I, I remember uh, preaching not all that long ago, a couple of years ago, Pastor Karen and I were at a, at a church and we were helping with a conference. And there was uh, a, a young couple there that had been touched mightily by our ministry in previous years. And uh, I don't recall what had happened, but you know, when God shows up, people that can't have babies have babies, and people that were sick get healed, and, and impossible becomes possible because with God, nothing is impossible. So God's power manifested in marvelous ways there as we've traveled there over these past eight years or so. And as we went back, I think it was a couple years ago, so we went back, there was one young couple that longed for us to prophesy over them and lay hands on them, but for a variety of different reasons, they couldn't. They had different things that happened that they couldn't change, and uh, we were in the green room, totally exhausted at the final service, and somebody said, you know, so-and-so, they really wanted to say hi to you. Now, they didn't say they really need a miracle, they need you to pray for them. They didn't say that, they wanted to say hi. So my response is like, you know, sweat running, just finished preaching. I'm like, oh, well, tell them I said, hi, awesome. Uh, let's eat dinner. You know, I'm not thinking about anything other than saying hi. But in their heart, it wasn't not let's say hi. Oh, God, we need a word from the man of God. We need a word from the woman of God. Oh, please, that's their desire. But we didn't hear that part. So, you know, we leave. Uh, I don't know, we had some snacks or whatever, and it just wasn't enough. And we're, we're, we're driving home, and we feel led by the Spirit to go 
through Chick-fil-A. Hey! May God bring a Chick-fil-A to Alaska. Anyway, we felt led to go to Chick-fil-A, but it's like there's only, they're closing in five minutes or less. I mean, you know, so I'm sure we broke a few laws to get there, to get some of that incredible Chick-fil-A nuggets and sauce and salads and the sweet tea. Hallelujah. And we race to get there, and they're closing. And they might have, were they closed? They were about to close. Do you know who is the only other person inside that restaurant? This young man and his wife. And when we pulled up, I walked, I'm on the phone. The guy says to me, I knew it. I knew it. Ah. I said, bro, I'm on the phone. He's like, yeah. Oh. oh. And so, you know, I finished my phone call. We went inside. And what they said is, we just had to get a word from God. And we felt like God told us to go to Chick-fil-A. <laughs> go ahead, Pastor. And we were like, Rabakashanda. We were ready. And we prayed for them, and God touched them, and they testified. Did they, was it a baby? It was something radical, miracle that God did for them in the previous years. And they said, and now here we are. We need a word from the Lord. Can I tell you what happened to my wife and I? I didn't want to see another human being. No, really, you can spend yourself, and we do that, and we'll continue to, we love to do it, but there's a time where it's like, it's time for some Chick-fil-A and some sweet tea, and I don't want to see another human being. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So I got to that, you know, the turkey popper popped. I'm done ministering. Give me a nugget and some sweet tea. I'm done. But when I got there, the faith, they were just like, oh, God, let us hear Bang, we instantly got filled by the power of the Holy Ghost on the spot. And what went from like weak and want to go home and, you know, eat Chick-fil-A and, and cuddle up and watch an action movie went to filled with fire, filled with power, filled with anointing. We prayed, prophesied, the power of God touched them, and God did a whole other set of miracles. That's what I'm talking about. You can put a demand on the anointing. You can lean in. Not everybody gets miracles. He hides things from people, casual observers. And I've known many people that have been in church for 20 and 30 years and they hardly see any miracles and other people that come for two or three years and they're instantly elevated and they're leading things and there's breakthrough everywhere financially and God's blessing them and they're flowing in the power of the Holy Ghost. What's the difference? I think it's the difference shown by this lady right here. She puts a demand on the anointing. Healing is for you, people. Healing is for me. Healing is for you if you're in covenant relationship with God. Healing is a birthright. Write in your notes. Healing is a, a birthright. You'll notice that it says here in this text that healing is the children's bread. Jesus says that. It's ch the children's bread. In Mark 7, 27... Let first, this is the NIV, I believe, let first the children eat all they want, he told her, for it's not right to take the children's bread. So think about the context. What is she asking for? She's asking for her daughter to be delivered from demon possession. She's asking for healing. She's asking for deliverance. That's the context. I need deliverance. Jesus says, that's the children's bread. Healing is the children's bread. Deliverance is for covenant people. Healing is for my family. That's what he's saying. He's saying, it's for, I've come to the lost sheep of Israel. It's not time for you right now. Now, we know that he came for Gentiles too, but this was prior to that dispensation and outpouring. Gentiles were not added now. 
She got what she could have gotten later. She got earlier because she believed God, because she pressed in. Healing is the children's bread, he says. Jews saw Gentiles as dogs. That, I mean, you, you go and read literature of the day and you look about how they thought about Gentiles are considered dogs. This distinction between Jews and Gentiles takes place. And Jesus, you know, Jesus came to heal us, which is part of destroying the works of the devil. Now, I'm going to give you a bunch of scripture here. Jesus came to heal us, which is an aspect of destroying the works of the devil. I want you to take your Bible and turn to 1 John. And uh, in your notes, you'll, you'll, you'll see the scripture reference there. 1 John 3, 8. And it says, And the one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil's been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. I want you to say John 3, 8b. That's the second part. The reason the Son... You're not saying it with me. You ready? The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Why was, the son, why did Jesus, why was Jesus manifested? Why did the Messiah come? To destroy the devil's work. Why did he come? I'm sorry. Why did he come? Well, what is the devil's work? Think about what the devil's work is. And you go back and you look and you see that the devil's work from the garden at the fall of mankind was to separate man from God, was to bring sickness and shame and disease and infirmity, was to bring addiction and affliction and depression. The works of the devil are clear, clear what the works of the devil are. And the Bible says that he came, the reason he came, the purpose for his coming, the purpose for his appearance, is to destroy all of that sickness, infirmity, disease, and shame, and depression, and anxiety, COVID-19, and the lot. He came to destroy it all. Matthew 8. Oh, I should give you this Greek part here. The word destroy... That Greek word is the same word for loose... We've taught you on that, Matthew 18. Whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever be loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. Binding and loosing are principles of spiritual warfare. Very, very important. I probably need to preach and teach it again. But it says that he came to destroy or to loose. That's the Greek word there, the root, root word for loose. The picture is, is that there's victims, and Jesus comes and he looses them. He sets them free. Is there anybody in the house, anybody online that's been loosed? I've been loosed. Is there anybody else that's been loosed? Matthew 8, 16 and 17. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him. He drove out spirits with a word and healed all the sick. He healed all the, he healed A-L-L the sick. He healed all the sick. Verse 17, this was fulfilled. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah 700 years prior to Jesus coming into the earth. Quote, he took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. Literally what it's saying. 
Literally what Matthew 8 and 16 and 17 is saying that he fulfilled all of the Old Testament prophecies. I mean, you, you, you really got to work hard to not see the connection between these two. Healing is a birthright. If you've been born again and you love God, then that's actually what he'll release to you. But come on, if you don't know you have the keys to the Maserati, you're not going to get in and start it and take it for a drive. Some of you got the keys to the kingdom hanging on the wall, and God wants to use you to set the captives free. God wants to use them to set yourself free. Some of you need to lay hands on yourself. Wow. Sons and daughters have, have rights, birthrights. My kids have rights. They're brackens. You can go right into my house. They got keys to the front door. They can rummage through the fridge that's filled with food. They have rights. Why? Because they're my kids. Whose kid are you? I'm a child. I'm a son of the Most High God. You're a daughter of the Most High God. You have rights. I mean, how crazy would it be? My 18-year-old. Oh, Dad, I just got to talk to you a second. Like, okay, son, is everything okay? Oh, yeah, everything's okay. I just, is it okay if I go in the fridge? I, I just want a glass of milk. What? Are you okay? Do you have a fever? What do you mean you want a glass of milk? Oh, please, Dad, please. I just, I just want a glass of milk, Dad. I mean, what? I mean, if you were at somebody's house and their kid came and bowed before the owner of the house and begged, oh, just, just a morsel, God. I mean, Dad, just a morsel. Get off of your, what are you talking about? Wash your hands and use the fridge yourself. How many of you know, know all teenagers should wash their hands before going in the fridge? Well, the way some people are with God. Oh, please, God, please. You're begging for what's actually yours. Are you catching that? Now, listen, healing is not the only birthright you have. It's one of many. You ought to know what belongs to you, and then you ought to lovingly, Christ, in a Christ-like, humble way, take it. Get yourself your own glass of milk, son. Hallelujah. That's not what happens in my house. What happens in my house is... You make yourself a sandwich, toast yourself a bagel. You can have some tea, a glass of milk, and a, and a hot cocoa if you want to. You don't even have to ask. Me? Better ask your mom, though. <laughs> but you all get the point. First Peter 2, and wash your hands. Everybody say, wash your hands. First Peter 2, 24 he himself bore our sins on his body on a cross that we might die to sins. Listen to this scripture. He himself bore our sins on his own body on a tree or on a cross as the NIV that we might, that we, pardon me, that we having died to sins might live for the righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. To understand that scripture, it is absolutely profound. See, some of you think your body's still your own. 
Some of you think your life is still your own. You're not. If you're born again and you're giving your life to Jesus, your life belongs to him. So you can no longer just do whatever you want to. But in that, there's great freedom. And this scripture, again, quoting Isaiah, by his stripes, you have been healed. Exodus 15, God reveals himself as healer. I am the Lord who heals you. In, in Psalm 107, verse 20, he sent forth his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave, Malachi 4 and 2. But those who revere or those who fear my name, the son of righteousness, will rise with healing in his wings or healing in his rays. You will go out and frolic like a fat calf. Come on, somebody. Is it? Yeah. Any fat calves out there? Come on. God wants to heal you. God wants to. Ah! Don't tell your wife she's a fat calf. But you, come on. It's a picture of the blessing of God. James 5 and 14 through 15. Is anyone sick among you? Let them call in the elders of the church. By the way, I don't know how you're going to call for healing if you're not a part of a church. You got to be a part of the church. I am the church. Me, I mean the birds. Oh, you need healing. Let them call in the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Verse 15, if you can. And the prayer offered in faith, and the prayer offered in faith, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. Wow. So powerful. This scripture, by the way, if you could leave it, if they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. The Catholic churches use this as a, as a means to justify the priesthood, but that's not a biblical not a biblical thing. You don't need a priest. You, I think everyone needs a pastor, but you are a priest. We have one high priest of our confession. His name is Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? In Mark 6 and 18, they'll pick up snakes with their hands and they will drink deadly poison and it will not hurt them at all. They'll place their hands on sick people and they'll be made well. I want you to read this out loud. Oh, you, you didn't get it up there? Here we go. It's uh, Mark 16, 18. Here we go. Read this all together right on the screens. They will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. They will place their hands. It's really like a command. They will place their Is there anybody sick right now? Anybody need healing in your physical body at all? In the name of Jesus right now, in the name of Jesus right now, be healed. In the name of Jesus, they'll lay hands on the sick. These signs will follow. They'll lay hands on the sick. In the name of Jesus, be healed. Be healed. Be healed. In the name of Jesus. Furthermore, as you've come through this next season, the Lord shows me that you're getting on like one of those one of those walking paths in the airport where you suddenly begin to move fast. You're walking at the same pace, but something's a lot faster. 
The Lord is going to quicken your steps. He's going to quicken the time. He's going to provide opportunity and elevation. Do not be weary in well-doing, for I have ordered your steps of the footsteps of the righteous or order of the Lord. I sent you here, says God. I've sent you to this place. I sent you to be part of this family. And the training and the discipleship is evident. It's upon you, and I'm going to quicken, and I'm going to fulfill every single thing I said I would do. I will do through you and in you. Quicken the time now in the name of Jesus on the whole family. Come on, somebody, say hallelujah. You lay hands on the sick and they, they might recover. That's not what it says. You lay hands on the sick and they, they will recover. They shall recover. Jesus is our healer. All right. How did the Syrophoenician get her miracle? Are you ready? Well, one, she's persistent. It's kind of like that guy and his couple at the Chick-fil-A story. They sent message to us in the green. They tried to get us in the service, but it was too packed, too much going on. They tried to get us the day before that, but we didn't know that, and things didn't line up. They came to the green room and said, would you tell Pastor Daniel that we say hi? Tell Pastor Karen we say hi? Sure. Hey, hey, there's some people outside. They love you. It's so-and-so and such-and-such, and they said hi. Oh, hi. They come out. He said hi. Great. Awesome. They, they didn't quit for days. They believed that somehow if they could get together with the likes of us, that they would get a miracle. And guess what? They got, they got one. She was persistent. Persistence is a sign of faith. Don't ever quit. I have a, a little uh, magnet on the fridge that says, never, never, never give up. I want you to say that. Never, never, never give up. Winston Churchill. She was persistent. They, 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 they're like, send her away. She's a nut job. She keeps crying out. Shut up. And then the disciples, I mean, it's like Jesus takes up her case, which is kind of crazy. This persistent lady. You know, my daughter has a way of being very persistent. And she just has this, I don't know, there's something about, you know, no offense, son. We have our a thing, father and son. But there's something about a father and a daughter. And she just has a way where she, it's like a gifting, I think. And she'll just be like, hey, dad. I'm just like, yes. You know, she'll, she'll hug on me a little bit. And she'll say, she really gets me. I hope she'll never listen to this because then. She'll know. If she says this, oh, daddy. If she says that, I'm done, man. I'm, I'm just like, what do you need? You need some money? You need to go, I got anything for you. Just call me El Shaddai. What do you need? What do you need? Do you know, I think the Lord, that's because we're made in God's image. I think the Lord's like that. Come on, if some of you will just press in and contend and say, oh, God, you're a good God. I need some money. I'm a tither. I'm a girl. Would you open up those windows of heaven right now? Oh, God, I need some cash. I need some greenbacks. I need some kala. I need, God, help me. Oh, God, I love you. God, I love you. It's not tongues. That's saying I love you a lot really quick. She's persistent, and she passed a test of faith, which many of you are in right now. Many of you listen, everything in life is a test. It's a test of your heart, a test of your faith. It's a test. Some of you are offended. I've got people, I've got people so mad that we didn't do mass earlier. And I got other people just think I'm, you know, 
whatever they think because now I'm not, now I'm telling, letting everybody use their own conscience. What are you going to do? Well, what are you going to do? You, you trust your conscience. Let your conscience be your guide. At this time, it's not illegal to gather. At this time in the history of America, it's not illegal to gather and do what we're doing right now. If it was illegal, then that would be different. It would be an underground church without masks. But it is not the case. He said, well, you need to be a good neighbor. I understand. And I want to be a good neighbor. And I want to pray for those in authority, and I will. And I'll continue to do that. But I'm not going to make anybody do anything. It's not a law. And it bothers my lungs, and I hate them. And somehow it breeds fear. And I know many of their other opinions. The difference is I'm the pastor, so... And, you know, this thing will pass, and we won't have to talk about masks and non-masks and whatever. And please wear them if you want to. I want you to wear them. Please don't violate your conscience. Do what the Lord leads you to do. All right, so thanks for praying. I don't know how we got onto that. must be on my heart. She didn't get offended. That's how we got onto it. Look at your notes. She didn't get offended. In in the the one section, he doesn't even answer her which I've done to Pastor Karen many times, and she doesn't get offended most of the time. She'll say, Daniel, Daniel. I'm like, actually, it's probably more like this. (laughs) There I am, you know, texting away. Daniel, Daniel. And then she'll say, Pastor Daniel. I'm like, yes. I don't know why that works, but it does. And then she's another thing when my son or my daughter's asking, I'm not listening. You know, that's rude when somebody calls your name and doesn't answer you, right? How many of you know that's rude? Okay, Jesus, do- Jesus doesn't answer her. He doesn't even answer. Jesus, son of David. Zippity doo da, zippity ma. He doesn't even answer her. How rude, Pastor Jesus. It's like some people on Facebook. He doesn't answer and she doesn't get offended. You know, God is real. She understood this. And if, she, if you understood that God is real, you'll seek him. He doesn't have to bend a knee to you. You seek him. Sometimes he's quiet. Other times he's shouting. He's good. Understand from Scripture, he's good. She was persistent, and she didn't get offended. She, Come on, she passed a test of faith. She knew Jesus had power. She knew that Jesus was good, moving right along. Keys, please. She knew that he was good. Hebrews eleven six. he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Interesting. So he doesn't reward those who casually seek him? Exactly. You know, I was listening to a, a, we were trying to get some news channel that was pure. It shows you the kind of faith we had. We didn't find it. But anyway, we did stumble upon a teaching about the word. Oh, it was very good. It was Gloria Copeland. She talked about Kenneth Copeland and how they were at ORU. And how they learned to submerge themselves in the word. And it was talking about how 
when he gave 10% submersion in the word, he got 10 results, 10, 10% word results. Please, some of you need to hear what I'm about to tell you. They got 10% word results. When, when they submerged themselves, 30%, they got 30%. But it wasn't until he locked himself away, I think the story is, he writes in one of his books, locked himself away for a week with God's word. It's totally submersed. And all he would do is speak God's word, pray God's word, read God's word, and memorize God's word. And he found something changed on the inside of him. Sometimes our life, you know, sometimes we don't get desperate enough because it's working pretty good. You know, I mean, it's good. It's pretty good. You know, it's pretty good. But you don't know what you're forfeiting in your birthright. It wasn't until I got really submersed in God's word that, and, and, and I didn't do it because I have great discipline. I didn't do it because, you know, oh, oh this Pastor Daniel's mad. I, I did it because I was so broken and so at the end of my, I just couldn't stand to breathe and be in my own skin. And that's when I began to write scriptures and post them all over my apartment. I've told you before, sticky notes everywhere. Whole scriptures, every, not legal pages of paper taped up everywhere. If you came into my house all those years ago on 295 Alhana Street in Maui, if you walked in, it looked like, I don't know, it looked like some pop art or somebody lost their mind because from the ceiling to the floor, all the way across, and there were some sections of wall that weren't filled in yet because I was still working on those. That was my art, scripture everywhere with dates all over it. And, and when I would have times of prayer, I would just go up to, this is before I met Karen. She never would have married me. You never would have said anything to me because I was so jacked. You thought I was bad when we met. I was really bad before that. I would stand there. I'd have prayer times of worship and I'd just read through, read through scriptures like identity and healing and I started sectioning them off. I submersed myself. Some of you don't do that. And you think you're going to be a spiritual athlete. What athlete doesn't train? You have a birthright for healing and you have a birthright for provision and for protection and the blessing of God. You have all of these things are birthrights, but you've got to take them. Look at C. She saw healing as a gift of mercy. Now, this is profound because, you know, I mean, my son can drive my truck anytime he wants to. Pretty much, if I don't need it. And he wants to drive it. I'm spirit-led. I might not always say yes, but mostly the answer is yes. He likes driving my truck. It's got a lot of power. It's cool. Dad's truck, right? Okay, but he sure ain't coming up to me and says, uh, hey, old man, give me the keys. I'd be like, <laughs> are you sick or something? Sit down, junior. What did that happen today? Where, where are you? It happened today. Come here, son. Come here. Come here. It'll be all right. It happened today. My son's nearing six foot tall, strapping young lad. And, uh, and we were in the house today, and we kind of came across each other and just sort of pushed a little bit. Oh, don't play all timid now. <laughs> and, you know, his neck's getting thicker. He's becoming a man. Right, so we, he is a man. So we locked up a little bit. Now he knows he's a man. He knows I'm more of one. I'm older, more mature. I have a lot more muscle mass. And I'm your father. I'm not your friend, although I'm also your friend. 
So we locked up, and I pushed back, and he pushed back a little bit. And when I let him go, he kind of like, he had this little bit of this. I said, oh, what was that? Feeling his oats. And I think that's a good thing. When you know who you are, you know you're a son, you know you're a daughter, it's good, it's good. There's wonderful uh, a, a challenge and a pushback a little bit and a, a wrestling with God, a playing with God. And, you know, you understand what I'm saying? But you sure ain't coming into my, into my bedroom and snatch my keys from my truck and take it anytime you want and steal money out of my wallet. That ain't happening. So you got to understand there's a humility. And I, I've got to close, but look, I want you to look at this. Look at Philippians 2.27. This is profound right here. Because every touch of God is an expression of his mercy. And I've heard preachers and evangelists and people were like, I have the blood of God, the blood of Jesus. I've got the authority in my right hand right now. You know, and there's this, there's this boldness, but there's almost an arrogance does that make sense? You hear preachers talk a lot about what they did and them and me and my ministry. You know, you just probably want to shy away a little bit from that because it's all God's mercy. It's all God's grace. If he takes his hand off of you, you're in trouble. So it's like you're awesome humbly. You humbly rock. I think that was Pastor Tim's phrase years ago. Come on, say I humbly rock. I'm humbly awesome. Verse 27 of Philippians 2, watch this. This is the Apostle Paul. She saw healing as a gift of God's mercy, and we're almost done. And Paul says in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 27, this is so very important. He's writing about Epaphras, who's one of his spiritual sons, and he almost dies. He got COVID-19 or something. I, I don't know what happened. It's COVID-01, maybe. <laughs> Verse 27, indeed, he was ill. He almost died. But the anointing and the power of the wind of the Spirit came upon me. I laid my hands upon him, and I raised him up. That's not what it says. It says he almost died, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. He saw, he, if, come on, the apostle Paul, he raised the dead, he healed the sick, he set the captives free, the same thing we should be doing. He understood, I mean, if anybody understood about birthright, it would be, it would be the apostle Paul. And that's not what he says here. He says it's a gift of God's mercy. Yes, it's a birthright. Yes, you have power, you have authority. Yes, by his stripes you're healed. And never, ever forget. It's the mercy of God. Don't forget it. Come on, someone say, it's the mercy. Oh, say it like your spirit filled. It's the mercy. Ah. Try it again. It's the mercy of God. So oftentimes Jesus would respond to people because of his compassion. We need to do the same. Lastly, she obeyed. In the book of Mark, he says, okay, go ahead. Now listen to this. Great closing point. Go ahead, go home, because she's delivered. I mean, think about Zechariah, who's there in, in, in the book of Luke, the early chapters of Luke. And the angel comes and says, oh, your wife's going to be pregnant. He says, yeah? How, can I, how do I know that? 
And he's like, what? I'm Zachariah. You know, I'm the angel here. What are you talking about? I, I, what? That's it. You're going to be, you're going to be, you're not going to talk now. He, he gives him judgment because he couldn't believe, because he had an unbelieving heart in the midst of an archangel who's prophesying about John the Baptist and the prayer that you used to pray. It's so amazing passage. I think about that here. She doesn't mouth off to Jesus. She's like, awesome, thanks. And she goes, she obeys, she goes home. And her daughter was healed that very hour. She understood that he was the son of David, understood he was Messiah, passed all these, these, these tests. She obeyed. When he said go, she said fine. She didn't have to look for any more crumbs. She didn't have to tarry with Jesus. She had the audience with the Messiah. She didn't have to do that anymore. The answer was completed. He said, go. Your daughter's been healed. She's like, thank you. Thank you. Woo. Thank you. And she left, and she, we don't hear about her again because her daughter was healed that very hour. Some of you don't take God's word as God's word. So when he says you're healed, you argue with it. Yeah, but I feel sick. Right. I understand it. You might feel sick, but God's word says you are healed. So what do you do with that? You, you declare the word of God over your life. I am healed by his stripes. I'm healed. Healing's manifesting in my body. You contend for that thing. You fight for it. You contend. You believe. You declare the birthright. How come some people die? I don't know. I don't know everything. I just know what scripture says. You contend. One thing's for sure. In heaven, there's nobody dead. Hell, there's nobody dead either. The worm never dies. In heaven, there's no one sick. Hell, that's not the case. In heaven, no sickness, no infirmity, no disease, no tears. On earth as it is in, in heaven. Did you get something from the Lord? Did you would, you? would you stand up on your feet right now? And I'm going to pray for you to be empowered to be a healing technician, that you would understand that it's your birthright. You would never see sickness, infirmity, sadness, and disease, depression uh, the same way again. Because he paid a price for you and I, not only to be forgiven of our sin, but to be healed. Healing and forgiveness are all found in the atonement, in the blood. Father, in Jesus' name now, for every single person that's listening under the sound of my voice, release your healing power now. Release miracle working now. We're working of miracles. I pray for those online, those listening, and those listening in the future. In the name of Jesus, I command sickness to go. In Jesus' name, by the mercy of God, be healed. Be free. Be thou loose. For this reason, the Son of God was manifested that he would destroy the works of the devil. Sickness go, infirmity go, disease go, anxiety go. Agoraphobia, I command you to go. Every assignment of wickedness, every curse, every fiery dart of hell, in the name of Jesus, we curse you now. We cast you to the ground. You sent forth your word and you healed my disease. All who came to you, all who came to you were healed. You healed all the sick and you cast out devils with a word. In Jesus' name, be free. I break off demon power and addiction. I break off every work of darkness in Jesus' name off of my own family. Come on, pray for your family right now. I break off the curse over children, over grandchildren. I break off the curse. Come on, lift your voice right now. We 
declare the healing power of God. It's not going to be a forgotten birthright anymore. We remember by your stripes we are healed in Jesus' name. Come on, pray and sing in the Spirit for a moment.
in all of Scripture is the fact that we human beings, so we have been cursed through the sin of Adam that's passed down from generation to generation, can be redeemed, that we can be forgiven, that everything we've ever done wrong can be washed away and thrown, as the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, that we can be translated out of darkness into the kingdom of his Son with one moment, with one declaration of prayer, If you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved, forgiven, washed, cleansed. There's nothing else in all of creation that is offered to you or me, for there's no other name given among men by which we must be saved. For the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. Let it go into your heart. You might not ever hear again what I'm telling you now, but examine your life. If this was your last service, if this was your last service, if this was the last time you breathe, your last day on earth, where would you go when it's all over? Oh, your friends won't be standing there on that day. Your mom and your dad won't be standing there on that day. Your pastor, your life group leader, your team leader won't be standing on that day. And your dog won't be there either. It'll just be you. And when you stand there, there's not one thing you can say if you've not given your life to Christ. And you're held accountable because I'm telling you about it right now. And you could try to run, but you can't hide. Submit, yield to Jesus. Give your life to God. By the way, that's why you were created, to love Him and to make Him known, to love God and to be a deliverer of men. Outside of that, there's no satisfaction. There's no fulfillment. All the money in the world, all all of the ambition, all of the different things that could be offered through power, it'll never satisfy you. Only being forgiven by the one who made you and walking in divine purpose and destiny and hearing, well done. Success is hearing, well done good and faithful servant. It has nothing to do with money. It has everything to do with loving God with all your heart and manifesting His love in a world that, that desperately needs Him. If that's you, you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time, or you want to make a recommitment to you all across this place, those online, you see, that's me. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You want to give your life to Christ for the first time, or you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time, or you want to make a recommitment because you drifted. You're not living for God. You know you need to recommit all across this place. No one moving around, please. moment longer, we're done. You say, that's me, Pastor. Lift your hand high. Do it right now if that's you. Lift your hand high. You want to get right with God all across this place. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else on this side? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. God bless you. Thank you. Anybody else? Online, perhaps. All right. Pray this prayer. Whether you raised your hand or you didn't, you know you need to be included. Pray this prayer with me right out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son Jesus to die in our place, to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. And make me new. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Would you lift your hands, a universal sign of surrender to the Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, fill and touch 
and fulfill purpose and destiny through each and every one of these. I pray that you would give a hunger for the word, that people would be saturated 100%, not 10%, and they would live lives transformed, walking in birthright and destiny, releasing healing and the power of the kingdom of God through us. God, in the name of Jesus, pour out your spirit upon us. And again, we contend for this election. God, move in power. Expose the evil. Lord, righteousness exalts the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Move in power tonight, we pray. And tomorrow, let your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. We love you. We will see you on Friday night. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.